The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. Uh, We are in that rather interesting week after the All-Star break where it seems to take a little while for much to happen. I mean, sure, we had the Tarasenko trade. Um, We're going to have... Uh, Jacob Chikrin has been was held out of the last uh, Coyotes game for quote trade related reasons, um, and of course we've got uh, all sorts of rumors about well nearly everyone on the Sharks. That and that information does not help me out. What he was held out for trade related reasons. Well, where is he going? By deter- by telling you that he's not injured or sick. Oh, okay. Or having immigration issues, I guess. Well, where is he going? That's – there's a lot of speculation. Some teams have dumped uh, some uh, – some teams have dumped some cold water on the idea. I mean um, – I – Based on based on Emily Kaplan during the Bruins game yesterday, the Bruins were in on Chikrin. Of course just they like, were. Just like the Bruins are in on Timo Meyer. Uh, of course they are. I'm sure they'd be in on Patrick Kane. Although uh, apparently, he, apparently a hip injury there that I wasn't aware of, but apparently there's a hip injury that seems to be scaring people away. I mean, he's been Chikrin has been linked to the Los Angeles Kings, although they swear there's nothing going on there. <laughs> Not to see you. I I just don't uh, I mean Chikrin's also been linked to the Senators, the Blues, the and the Jackets. Um you know, it's odd that he's linked to these teams that aren't going to the playoffs. That's uh that's one of my concerns about him. Um He's linked to the Senators, he's linked to the Blues, he's linked to Columbus. None of those teams are making the playoffs, in my estimation. I mean, the Blues. No, the Blues. I think you have to say that with the Blues trading Tarasenko, they're in they're, sell mode. They're they're giving up on the season. And so why, so why acquire Chikrin? He's twenty four years old. Okay, he's going to be around a while. You can be patient. I mean, if I'm Chikrin, I want to go to a team that's on the rise. I'd rather win at 25 or 26 and have it done than be trying to win at 37 or 38 when I'm going to be struggling just to hit, just to get into the lineup, assuming I'm assuming my career has lasted that long. Well, I, I mean, with him, unfortunately, there is a a an in there is an injury history. Yep. Uh, so. Wouldn't you want to go to a team, and I'm going to say like the Bruins, I'm not saying it has to be the Bruins, but a team that they're not necessarily on the rise, but if they're already at that level and they can restock instead of rebuild. For me, one of the teams I would be targeting if I were Chikrin, assuming I had the ability to do so, it might well be the New Jersey Devils. Uh, that makes sense to me. Blues I don't mean, make. I mean, the blues kind of don't make sense to me if they're going to end up going into a rebuild mode. 
Yeah, it's unless they're going to do the infamous one or reload on the fly, which will work uh, the next time it works will be the first. I was going to say, I I have yet to see that actually be like truly successful. Nope, I, I haven't seen it either. Now, what the what the devils would be sending back is, of course, a question. Chikrin, I believe, still has at least one more year on his contract, and well over half the roster for the Devils is done this year. I thought he had more than one, but okay. I mean, Jesper Bratt, 24 years old. Yeah. RFA with arbitration rights. Tatar, UFA. Miles Wood, UFA. Eric Hollow, UFA. Sharon Kovich, McLeod. Um, Jesper Boquist, Nathan Bastian, Fabian Zetterland, all RFAs with arbitration rights. And then on the blue line, Damon Severson and Ryan Graves, UFAs. And um, Kevin Ball, who uh, is an RFA. So a certain GM who goes by the name of Tom Fitzgerald. He has a little bit of work to do this uh, this summer. Ideally, he'll get some of it done between now and the deadline or even better between. Possibly even better between the end of the regular season and the start of the playoffs. Chikrin's got two more years left on his deal. Which, if you're a believer in him, is great. Mm-hmm. Um, I. I think that there's certainly potential there, but let's be honest. But his talent, even at the money level that he's at, I mean, he's earning four point. He's his his cap hits four point six per year. Mm-hmm. For his talent level, that's cheap, inexpensive. Correct. Again, the concern is that there is an injury history. And but, but to have control of him for another two years at a reasonable price at 24 years of age, I can see why teams would want to make the move. I mean, I, again, I'm I'm just kind of confused as to why it would be to a, a, a team not making the playoffs. I would think that playoff teams would be searching for him. Apparently, the price tag is really high. Maybe it's the maybe it's what Arizona wants. Maybe Arizona is only looking for picks in the top half of the draft, and they're they not want, willing to talk to Boston's and New York's and well, they New want two number one, they want two first rounds. Uh, from what I've heard, they want two first rounds and level equivalent prospects. Yeah, that's that eliminates a lot of teams right there. Um. But my bigger concern, well, co-equal with the co-equal with the injury history. Mm-hmm. Yes, who he's playing with plays a big part in this. But he's played nine NHL games uh, in the postseason. Exactly yeah, one point. Mm. Exactly yeah. one point. Am I saying that he can't be effective in the postseason? No, because he played 
I mean, his his one uh, playoff run was at his was at 21. He was just crossing into that 200 game range uh, that season. But one point in the playoffs, that's concerning to me. I have always I will. This is a hill I will die on. And yes, there's probably a few dozen of them in hockey. But guys who don't produce in the playoffs are not guys you add for a cup run. I uh, I'm, I can understand that, certainly. I mean, you're adding players for the playoffs. You want them to be able to perform in said playoffs. Okay. Um, when you look at the – when you look at some of the comparables for him, uh, using hockey reference, similarity scores through – uh, through uh, his seven first seven years, most similar player is Morgan Riley. Eek. Second most similar is Mackenzie Wegar, which is mm, I mean Mackenzie Wegar is a solid player. He's not a I, game breaker. I mean he was part of the Mackenzie Wegar. He was part. Was he part he of the church uh, trade? Yeah. He was part of the part of the trade. Um, Okay, so I don't know. This year, I take it with a grain of salt because none of them are performing. No. I mean, Huberdeau's not. I shouldn't say none of them are performing. I should say neither one of their teams is reaping the benefits as we expected them to. Florida is not significantly better. Calgary is not significantly better. I don't know if it's because you shook up the chemistry and now you got to kind of let everything settle. I, I, I would think that that would have happened by now, but that's part of it. But yes, it has taken too long. Um, and the next active player or semi or most recently active player that I can remember, Michael Delzato. He's a comparison to Michael Delzato. That's like fifth on the list. Okay. Johnny so we had, and Daryl Sador are in there in the mix. Okay. So we had Eek. At Morgan Riley, we have Double Eek and Michael Delzato, and eh, at Mackenzie Wegar. I mean, six two and two twenty at twenty four years old is rather is rather appealing. Twenty eight points in thirty six games, rather appealing. Twenty three mm-hmm. sixteen time on ice. Yep, I, I can live with that. Um, so far, you're selling me all the good points. But I, I mean, possibly the most interesting thing or the strongest thing in his favor is probably the weakest stat in the league. The weakest of the standard stats anyways. On a team that is globally a minus 47 on the season while playing 23 plus minutes a night, uh, he happens to be a plus Wow. I mean, that's that's either really, really good or you're being protected really, really well. Because Nick Bukestad has a is a plus six. Um, I don't know if there's a way to really protect it. I think the plus minus I, I think defensemen are at a disadvantage in plus minus because they're on the ice. Longer than more, they're on the ice longer than the forwards are. I mean, 
since there's only six of them compared to 12 forwards. Uh, I, I just plus minus for them is, is can be misleading, but I, so I, I don't know a plus eight for him. That's uh, there's only one other positive uh, person who's got a plus uh, on the team. And that's uh, Nick Bukestad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think they're protecting Nick Bukestad him. is a center. I don't think that I don't think they're protecting him. I think that that might actually be a true number. It it, it might be showing value. Um, I mean, you look at Shane Goss's bear, who we know is a more of an offensive defenseman. Oh, it has been. minus eight. Which I expect out of an offensive defenseman for them to struggle with. I don't expect minus. them to be that bad. I mean, yes, this team has issues at every position. I mean, they have issues at center. They have issues at D. They have issues at where they play. They have issues at where they play. They have issues at ownership. Um, GM. (laughs) Their goaltending is nothing to write home about. I mean, Karel Vemelka. Carol Vom- don't start picking on Carol Vomelka. I like him. He's got a 906 save percentage and a 324 goals against. Yes, and his team is terrible. The team is terrible. I mean, the team is terrible in front of him. He's another one of those goalies. I want to see what he can do behind. Uh, I, I hate using it this way, but a real defense. A solid defense. And, and I want to see what he can do. I mean, the save percentage isn't great, so... Uh, I wonder, but then again, the Bruins peppered him with like 50 something. Sh- like, I think it was close to, if not over 50 shots. And he had like a 970 save percentage against the Bruins. It was scary how good he was when they played. I mean, you look at the rest of this roster and. Meh. It's aggressively underwhelming. Uh, can, we, can we have Lawson Kraus? Lawson Krause, Clayton Keller, they look like solid players. But, I mean, if you're going purely for a depth signing on this team, like purely for depth signing, yeah, it might be Nick Bugstad who you want to take home after your shopping trip. Uh, yeah, okay. I want a little bit of youth. He's 30. He's not ridiculously old. Okay. Uh, And he's cheap. I mean, he's 900,000 and a UFA at the end of the year. He's basically a throw in on a trade or you send them some young prospect who you're never going to sign. I didn't realize he was that big. Six, six, two, two, 15. Yep. Well, bottom six forward. I mean, you look at cap friendly at, on this team, and you realize that none of the top one, two, three, four, five forwards are actually listed as center as their primary position. And you get start getting the picture as to what might be wrong with the team. <laughs> and that's in terms of salary. But Lawson Krause is a winger. He plays left wing, right wing. He's 6'4", 220. He's 25 years old. Yes, he did just sign an extension. So, I mean, he's 
He signed it back in August, so he's making four point three million, or his average annual value is four point three million per. I mean, on Bugstad, if if you're if you're Boston and you can get Bugstad for someone off of your reserve list. Like you assume that you can trade him straight up for the rights to Riley Duran or Mike Riley or Ty or Ty Gallagher or even Trevor Kuntar. Um, is there an issue there? None of those guys are none of those guys are jumping onto an NHL roster. Well, Trevor Kuntar's busy playing in the bean pot, so. I, I, my concern is that, A, Sweeney loves his draft picks. So I don't see him getting rid of a Trevor Kuntar because he hasn't seen what he can do yet. Uh, well, yes and no. I think that if the Bruins can't win this year and I mean win it all Sweeney's probably gone yep so if he's more interested in preserving his job than holding on to B prospects he's probably going to move make moves he's hampered by the fact that all he has aside from Lysel and Lori and maybe Mast are B prospects, but that's his own silly fault. Yes. I mean, he's been GM for what, nine years now at this point? So I'm sorry, almost eight years, seven years, eight months, 23 days. Not that anyone but me, you, and Cap Friendly are counting. Okay. And you know what? Every prospect in the system at this point is someone he put there. So if the system's a little tiny bit lacking, he's got no one to blame but himself. Yes. I mean, as the G- as the GM, he doesn't really have anybody to blame but himself unless he tries to drag the president with him. Are the Bruins going to be poorly served by entirely cleaning out the front office? No. But whose face, and this is a totally different conversation, but whose face do you keep and whose face do you get rid of? I mean, Sweeney or Neely. Uh, Is Neely directly involved in any of these deals or is he kind of, is he the puppet master? Is he hands off? Is I would say that Neely is probably involved in any major movements, whether it's coaches, like department heads in terms of the office staffing, um, which tournaments get scouted and things like that. And I would assume that he's involved in any player deals over a certain dollar amount or a certain number of years. Pavel Zaka? 
Maybe that's a five-year contract. Uh, four-year, four four-year contract. Oh, four-year contract. Four-year. I don't know. Yeah, I just, I'm, I'm just. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Is at what point do you stop blaming Sweeney because he's just the face, and it's really Neely behind him that's doing the work? I, I, I don't know. I don't Sometimes think Neely is doing most of the day-to-day work. And I don't think that Neely is pulling the trigger on trades. Um, I think he probably shares his expectations for the year and at a couple of times during the year. So I would assume that, you know, sometime a week before the All-Star break that Neely said, if you're going this, this is what needs to happen or what I think should happen between now and the deadline. This is what I would be looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, but I don't know that it gets super beyond that until there's something concrete in hand. And I think the Bruins have one other a. I think the Bruins have one other a prospect that we kind of overlooked. Go for it. Uh, played in the AHL All Star Challenge and looked really good. Brandon Busey. The Maybe. goaltender. Hell, oh, he looked really good. I mean, it, it was actually quite entertaining. I, I didn't see the whole thing, but... Uh, and I don't quite understand their format because it looks like they only played in, in their final... was only like a seven-minute period or something, or a ten-minute period or something. Like, it wasn't two halves. It wasn't five three you know three five minute periods or something it looked like they played like one seven or ten minute period or something it was very weird but in the semi-final to get them to get the atlantic they went through an 11 round shootout and <sighs> yeah unfortunately shootout does exist in their in their all-star system uh but it, it he he just i mean stopping Everything he 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 really did look good. They ended up losing like one nothing in that final ten minutes, and I think that Busey could be considered, if not an A prospect, definitely like a B plus uh, or an A minus because he his his numbers throughout this AHL season have been uh, very good. Well, it's hard to argue against the 934 in 20 games, yes. but it is only 20 games. Um, and he's another guy without much in the way of playoff history. He's got all of 10 playoff games total, two of them in the U.S. Uh, PHL for under 16, and then uh, eight with the Lumberjacks in the USHL. Um, when you're talking about trading for – not a a level prospect uh, to get somebody like a Bukestad. I, I don't know if I oh, think. Oh, I wouldn't trade him for Bukestad. I think Boosie might be an overpayment. Is I guess now, what I'm trying to say. Now, if you want to, if you want me to trade you, if you want me, if you want Clayton Keller or Lawson Kraus. If you yes. want to have that conversation, yeah, I'll throw in Brandon Busey. We, uh, Boston has 
two solid goaltenders in in Boston at the moment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you also have. There's I mean, there's an there's another prospect or two who might just make it to the NHL. Kyle Kaiser isn't having the worst season ever uh, in Providence. Uh, I mean, 11 games, 928 save percentage. There's something no. there. I think there is something there with Kaiser as well. I think the one position that Boston is actually secure at is goaltender. Yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, if if the if the price to get a Lawson Krause, who is under control for four more years, is Chris Wagner a second and Brandon Busey? Or even Chris Wagner a first and Brandon Busey? Uh, this, I love Chris Wagner. Game? Lawson Krause. It's probably oh, okay. higher I, than I, that. I, but I, I thought you were talking about Bukestad for a minute. I'm like, oh my goodness, why are you paying so much? No, no, no. <laughs> Lawson Krause, that makes more sense. Yes, okay. Uh, it's it. probably more than that. Like, you probably are throwing in one of the guys I mentioned earlier, whether it's Trevor Kuntar or uh, one of the other unsigned kids, but um, to fill up their depth. But you have to remember how many draft picks this team has over the next two, uh, three years. Arizona, Arizona. They have all their own picks plus one, two. I think they have more than a few. I think they have, more than they have 10 additional picks on top of all of their own picks, uh, except for a seventh rounder this year um, over the next three years. And five of those picks are second rounders. Like blind squirrel time. You're you should be able to hit with with. With seven or with eight first uh, second round picks in the next three drafts, That's, you should be able to hit on two of them by sheer me, dumb luck. Tell me something doesn't sound weird when you say eight second round picks in three years. Like sheer dumb luck, you could you should be able to get like have 400, 500 game careers from at least two NHL players with just your second round picks over the next couple of years. And that's before you start trading pieces off because let's face it, if I'm drafting, if I'm, uh, Bill Armstrong right now, this year's draft, the 2023 is supposed to be pretty strong. Okay. I would be looking for one or two more second rounds for this year. And yes, that's hilarious. And one or two more, (laughs) Um, and maybe a first round or two. And this is completely ignoring the fact that they have Connor Geeky, Dylan Gunthar, uh, and Liam Kirk in their, in their prospect pool. Um, they also have, uh, Gene, uh, Gene Sebastian day, uh, Dea. They're not exactly broken in terms of their system. Oh, John their defensive yeah. pool could use a little tune-up, but they have they have some material to build with. Um, so last night after the game, I'm listening to sports radio, and yep, 
I got to the point where I was wondering how this dude had a job. Not going to say which station. Y'all can figure it out. Almost the first thing guy says when I turn the radio on, get uh, as I've just gotten in the car. Mm-hmm. You know, Bruins really need to go after it this year. Um, they need to go get a really big physical defenseman. Uh, and they need to just, and, I'll par- and I'm paraphrasing, they just need to admit that, like, Matt Grizzlick is a third uh, pairing defenseman. And I nearly crashed my car because that's one of the dumbest things I've heard in a long time. And this was the host, not a caller. Now, the show did manage to go downhill from there because not three minutes later, he opens up the phone lines and someone's first take was, oh, yeah, the Bruins just need to go get Patrick Kane, ignoring the hip injury. And and um, that certain defenseman of the Coyotes that everyone's been talking about for like two years. The one that we were just talking about? Jacob Jickerin, yes. Yes, okay. So the Bruins are supposed to fit an additional $14.5 million <laughs> under the cap. Trying not to laugh, okay. In order to do that, you would legitimately have to gut the best team in the sport right now. Yes, according to all the power rankings. There is no math that makes this work in any other way. This is true. I mean, just for the giggles. Yes. Say that you managed to move Nick uh, Nick Foligno somehow. That's three point eight million. You managed to move either Matt Grizzlick at three point seven or Brandon Carlo at four point one. Well, isn't the whole point of this that we they were we're replacing Matt Grizzlick because he's just a third-pairing defenseman, according to a certain TV host. Um. We'll throw in Chris Wagner's 1.35, because uh, why not? Uh, and we'll add in Mike Riley's three and Anton Strahlman's one. Guess what? We're still well under the salary of those two. And the problem is that you can't just trade all those players because most teams don't want just those players. They want draft picks. They want prospects. They want... They want guys who are going to be there next year. Yeah. They want guys who are going to contribute to winning hockey. Um, and yes, I think Grizzlick and Carlo, solid players. But Polino's a 35-year-old UFA. Um, how old are uh, Chris Wagner, 31 years old. Will he contribute next year? Probably sure. Uh, Mike Riley, 29 years old. He's the... He's like the only one with term left because uh, Strawman's a 36-year-old UFA. So even if you get rid of all of these guys, you don't want to take a skater off of the roster. The next guy you're trading is Jeremy Swayman, and that is less than a million. Yes, I'm also doubting it's going to happen. 
unless you decide to swing big and you want to trade Linus Allmark, who's five million, and then you're right about there, assuming you can get um, the Blackhawks to retain salary on Patrick Kane, you know and how we Arizona always, to retain salary on Chikrin. You know how we always talk about Sweeney and whether he's going to be around and this, trading Linus Olmark at this point in time is guaranteed a resume generating event. Like legitimately, I don't <laughs> think anyone would blame the Jacobs for defense trading him at that point. Yeah. Um, and for those of you who don't know what the word means, just look up defenstration. Uh, yeah. I'm not entirely certain that the garden is high enough, but, you know, it's only a short ride over to the Peru. Yeah. Um, now, if if you could actually pull that off without and pull in Kane and Chikrin without trading Allmark, but trading all of those other less desirable contracts, you probably need to win like a lifetime achievement award uh, for general manager or executive. But Fair that's enough. not going to happen. No, it's just not going to happen. We don't live in a rational universe, but it's close enough to one for that not to happen. Uh, and so, then there's the, and then we'll address the whole, oh, Matt Grizzlick is a third pairing defenseman nonsense. Yeah, third pairing defenseman. Now, I like numbers. I don't like compiling numbers, but having having nice people who enjoy playing with numbers compile them for me and put them into some sensible format makes me happy all the time. So I jumped back. I looked at the Bruins. I went back to the 18-19 season, some of the totals, set a minimum of 80 games played for defensemen, and I wanted to look at scoring per 60. Now, Tory Krug had a decent number of injuries uh, in his last couple of years here. <clears throat> he got pulled off of the power play uh, or the first power play unit at one point. It only played 125 games, so smaller sample size than uh, than the uh, most of the other guys near the top. Well, of the of the players was... st- still on the Bruins. Okay. Points per sixty. Brandon Carlo, point five eight. Connor Clifton, point six one. Yay. <clears throat> Derek Forbert, point seven one. <laughs> Matt Grizzlick, point eight five. And Charlie McAvoy, 1.19. Yes, well, you notice that Charlie gets a lot of power play time. Not Charlie saying, gets a lot of power play time. But this is 5v5, so... And, more importantly, he spends more time on the ice when Bergeron and Marchand and Pasternak are on the ice than when Polino and Frederick and Coyle are on the ice. It covers his mistakes. Shh. <laughs> so, point... I, I didn't say that out loud, did I? No. 85% of a point every 60 minutes of five-on-five five played. Pretty impressive. Now, yeah. in terms of goals per 60, this one is even more interesting because Brandon Carlo clearly needs to shoot more. 
And Derek Forbert clearly needs to shoot more. Um, but Connor Clifton, Matt Grizzlick, and Charlie McAvoy effectively all have the same goals for per 60 at even strength. And that's in 206, 209, uh, 206 for Clifton, 292 for Grizzlick, and 289 for McAvoy games. Yeah. 0.16 for Matt, 0.17 for Charlie and Connor. Um, if you're going to make the argument that Matt Grizzlick is a third-pairing defenseman, you probably need to look at Charlie Coyle as a third, at Charlie McAvoy as a third-pairing defenseman too. And, and again, this is just to reiterate, this is five V five, but I'm looking at it and I'm saying to myself, okay, all of these numbers and Charlie Mac, it, it's interesting that Charlie and Matt both came from BU. They played together there and they're, they're so close in games played. Charlie has two plus minutes more of time on ice per game than either Matt or Connor. Uh, yes. Which means he spends a significant amount less time getting to and from the bench at shift changes. That that impacts things. That you can't deny that the amount of time it takes to change your shift, which might be three to five seconds each time, depending on where you're coming from. Uh, I mean, the top speedy guys at the at the uh, all star festivities for the last half decade have been somewhere in the mm, have averaged somewhere in the low 14s for a full lap of the ice. Now, that's not game conditions, but if you say eight seconds to make it from one end of your or from the far corner to your bench uh, it from your in your own zone, not unreasonable. Eight seconds? No. Um, you do that 12, 15 times a game. Yeah, uh, it, it, it adds up. Let's look at let's look, let's look a little bit, bit deeper. So I want, went over to Hockey Reference. Um, Hockey Reference, I absolutely love. They carry a few stats that you don't see anywhere else. Yep. And they make those comparisons like we did with Jacob Chikrin a little bit ago. Um, you look at Zlick's numbers. Um, possession metrics. Always a possession metrics are really interesting. Not going to go into them too far, but going into the rate per 60 on ice goals against per 60. That's how many goals for every 60 minutes at even strength or at all strengths. When Connor Clifton, when Matt Grizzlick rather is on the ice. Okay. Um, for Charlie McAvoy, that number, that on ice goals against per 60, is 2.3. Two and a third goals every 60 minutes at all strengths that Charlie McAvoy is on the ice. Okay. Where do you think the number is for Matt Grizzlick? Higher or lower or the same? 
Uh, I was going to say a little lower, like 1.92.0. It is lower. It's actually over half a goal lower. It's 1.7. And in his career, last year was actually Matt Grizzlick's first full season where he had a 2.1 on ice goals against per 60. Oh, goals against per 60. My apologies. Yes. On ice goals against per 60. Um, so, so McAvoy is a two point. See, I've never been. I, I knew they were going to draft him when they drafted him. And, and yeah, that was a, another joke. I, I also knew that it, it, Charlie was not as strong defensively, but 2.3. Matt Grizzlick is a better defensive, is, is a better defenseman on the defensive end of the ice. So the 1.7 doesn't surprise me, I guess, especially compared to Charlie's 2.3. It might be a little higher than I would hope. Just just for comparison. He is. Adam Fox, who won a Norris recently, regarded pretty well. Some people will say he's the best young defenseman in the league. Um, other people have different opinions. Yes. Um, uh, you want to take a swing at where his number is? Adam Fox? Yeah. Goals on ice goals against per 60. All strikes. 2.1. You would be only slightly off. Uh, this year it's at 2.4. Career-wise, it's 2.3. Oh, wow. So same as Charlie. Um, how about Kale McCarr? <laughs> uh, I have difficulty choosing either Kale McCarr or Adam Paul. Uh, Kale McCarr, 2.4. That would be correct. Wow. That was a guess. Seriously, I'm, I have nothing on my screen. That was a guess. Um, and here's here's one with a little bit longer career than the three guys, than the guys we we're just talking about. Yeah. Um, want to guess what Victor Hedman's is? <laughs> For his career. For his career. Probably had some. He probably had some higher numbers back in the day. Uh, so career average two point two. You are being a little bit generous. Really, Victor Hedman is at a three point one on ice Ooh. goals against per sixty. You you realize that that per sixty that he he averages like twenty seven minutes a night or twenty five minutes a night of ice time, right? I understand that. And just one more guy for comparison before we get to Grizzlick's numbers. Sure. I thought we did Grizzly. I thought you said he was a one point seven. Oh or a two point something. Um so here's one more guy who's well regarded as a defensive defenseman. He spent a good bit of time playing on the same team as uh, as Hedman, uh, looks like about four and a half years. Ryan McDonough. 
He's an offensive guy too, though. So Ryan McDonough is a is a balanced defenseman. Okay, I'll accept that. Um, so Ryan McDonough is what a two point six three even. Oh wow! Okay. There were some ugly years for the Rangers uh, towards the end of his tenure there. As so, there were some ugly years for the Tampa Bay Lightning before they became the juggernaut they are. So Matt Grizzlick, 1.7, mm-hmm. only one season over a two. We're not counting his first year because he played all of two NHL games. Charlie McAvoy, this is his first year under a two. <coughs> under a two. And the year's not over. Every other year, 2.2 or higher. Now, the goals for is also interesting. Um, Grizzlick, 3.6, is on ice for 3.6 goals and goals for per 60. No, I'm sorry, that's that's uh, McAvoy. Grizzlick, on ice for 3.1. Um... McDonough, 3.3. Victor Hedman, 3.9, which is not surprising given some of his teammates. Kale McCars is absolutely broken at 4.6. And uh, Adam Fox's looks like a GPA at 4.0. So comparisons. Comparisons for Matt Grizzly. Uh, I compared him to all of these top defensemen. What do you think? Uh, like looking at the list of players that he's compared to, the first active name is actually the second uh, listed at ninety-two point nine percent similarity. Um. And this is a guy who's been talked about all year as being as a potential Norris Trophy winner, Josh Morrissey. Ninety-two point nine percent similar. To whom? To Matt Grizzly. Okay. Ninety-two percent, or almost ninety-three percent similarity between Josh Morrissey and Matt Grizzly. Based on nothing other than the raw stats. If you show any GM in the league a an option to get 93% of what Josh Morrissey is producing this year, which is quite considerable, they're yeah. going to jump on it in a skinny minute as long as you tell them the salary is somewhat close. Okay. Josh Morrissey this year is six and a half or six and a quarter million. At 55 points in 53 games. Matt Grizzly, his salary is where? Like under four? No, we already we already covered that. It's like 3.2. Okay. So you're getting 93% similarity to Josh Morrissey for 60% of the cost. Please tell me how that's bad. Well, he's not Josh Morrissey, and he's not Charlie McAvoy, and he's not Victor Hedman, and he's not any of these other players. So apparently, I, I 
by the whole, even, that must I, make I don't know. I can't even make this argument because I don't understand what the I don't understand what the disconnect is between the talking heads and what Matt Grizzly can and can't do. I mean, I watch Matt Grizzly on the ice and I see a player who, like everybody else, sometimes takes a stupid penalty. But I also see a player who's got the speed to catch up if he get if somebody gets by him in the neutral zone. I see somebody who can carry the puck into the offensive zone. His zone entries are really you know he's got he's got good skills. He's he's a good passer. He's solid on defense. I the eye test tells me that this guy is good. And yet you've got people telling me that, Oh, well, he should be a third pairing defenseman. Yeah. He should be this. He should be that. Then you look at numbers, you compare numbers and you say, uh, you know, his numbers are better than Charlie. His numbers are comparable to Charlie. He is 93% like Josh Morrissey. I mean, I, just for giggles, I looked up Connor because, uh, you know, I like Connor and, uh, yeah. and his on ice goals against per 60 is a 2.1. For his career. Yep. And now Grizzly and McAvoy have played a very similar number of games. Um, McAvoy has played 352 and has 271 pims in that time. Okay. Grizzly has played 355 and has 194 pims in that time. So we're not going to get on Charlie for taking silly penalties. Um, pretty, pretty hard to get on Grizzly for the same. Um, I, I just don't get the Grizzly hate, but every single time someone mentions his name, oh, he's too small. And that's it right there. Like too small for what? His, the issue people have with him is that is his size. That's all I can think of because any of the other arguments don't make sense. No, they don't. They don't. The numbers. So he's say, not. He's not six two. He's not two twenty five. He's not. Uh, he's not lightning fast. He doesn't. You know. He's not. He's not Kale McCarr. No, he doesn't have to be. Therefore, I, I will still say that he, I think he is the best skater on the Bruins. There are a couple of guys who are a little bit faster, but as far as three hundred sixty degree mobility, not there's no one I would compare him to on the Bruins. Um, last stat, because we don't <clears> – <throat> we're not a stats show. On-ice goals for percentage for defensemen, same time period, 18-19 through, through today, 80-game minimum. Uh, let's see. Brent, uh, we'll start with the guys who are active. Um, Derek Forbert, 50%. So – he plays even hockey. He, that's a lot better than a lot of the league. Brandon Carlo, 55.1. Nothing to cry about. Connor Clifton, 55.9% of goals that happen when he's on the ice are for the Boston Bruins. Tory Krug, well, he's not still with the Bruins, but I miss him. 568 <laughs> Zidane Chara in this time period, even though everyone was saying, oh, he's way too old. 58.4. Charlie McAvoy, 
60.3. Did I leave anyone out? Uh, aside from the topic of discussion, no. Oh, oh, right. Matt Grizzlick. 62.9. So 2.5% higher, actually 2.6% higher on-ice goals for for the Boston Bruins when Matt Grizzlick is on the ice than Charlie McAvoy. Go ahead. Bring your arguments. I need a good laugh. I need a good laugh. That's all I'm saying. Speaking of good laughs. So wait. No, go for it. Individual. No, I'm looking at some of these other categories because there's just so. One thing I learned during my time in, 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 in the higher education system is that you can make statistics say whatever you want. This but, is true. But statistics, but numbers are still numbers and they're still solid. But individual shot attempts for per 60. And Charlie McAvoy's the offensive, you know, Tory Krug set the tone with just under 12 shots, 12 shot attempts per 60, 11.99. Yes. You know. But between McAvoy and Grizzly, the fact that Grizzlick actually has more shot attempts per 60 than McAvoy. Yep. So even though McAvoy is the offensive defenseman and he gets all the power play time and he does. And, and yes, I, I know we're not comparing power play time, but the idea behind power play is that, you know, they generally the guys who are more offensive minded, they, they more skilled at putting the puck in the net, but, 5v5 shots per 60 is higher for Matt Grizzlick. Shot attempts per 60 is higher for Matt Grizzlick. <laughs> I just, I, I'm. Yeah, I can't with these. Percentage arguments. of faceoffs in the offensive zone is actually higher when Matt Grizzlick, with Matt Grizzlick. Um, yet they get more offensive zone faceoffs when Grizzlick is on the ice. I think that's more starts, uh, more where your shifts start. Uh, I don't it know. Say, it doesn't say offensive zone starts. It just says percentage of faceoffs offensive zone. Uh, I'd have to go a deeper dive into that stat because they might be keeping it differently oh, than okay. the offensive zone starts that I'm familiar with. But whatever. Um, I just I, I'm just arguments. Numbers, that he's a third pairing defenseman are baseless. Can you make a claim that he's that you are more comfortable with him on the second pairing? Sure, I'll listen to those. Because pairings, realistically, after you get to the question of endurance and top four pairing defensemen or bottom pairing defensemen, after those two questions, pairings are chemistry. We talked about this uh, two weeks ago or three weeks that's, ago. And, and, and that's what I'm getting at is you're calling him a third pair defenseman. But ideally – why is he? Why is that particular pairing a third pair? Is it because they're the third pair of they're the third pair of defensemen to go on the ice after at the start of the game? Because once the game starts, it like you said, it, it, first second. Oh my God, we got to send out that first pairing. Well, which one's the first pairing? Because to be honest, I think the best pairing on the Bruins right now is still Forbort and, and Clifton. 
In a lot of ways, I I can't disagree with that, and I and I really like Ham uh, Hamas Hampus Lindholm. Yes, and I think and, that, and we've seen a lot of Monty mixing the pairs up. I think Monty's trying to figure out. Honestly, I think he's trying to figure out how to best utilize uh, each player. Really, it comes down to each player. Because he, he's he's had he's had everybody with Forbort. He keeps going back to Clifton. He's had everybody with Lindholm. I mean, he started the season because Forbort was injured. He started the season with Clifton with Lindholm, and then immediately, like five games in, suddenly Clifton was paired up with uh, Zaboro or whoever. Because at the time, I believe Carlo was also not playing. It was like. Okay, so he's—you could see—he started to trust Clifton early. He was definitely trusting Lindholm. Didn't have McAvoy. Didn't have uh, Grizzly. Grizzly started the season at the beginning or close to it. Uh, it Was—I don't remember if he opened the season or not. I, I, but I just—I I, keep going. I understand that he's mixing and matching, and that's fine. I mean, at this point in time, I think he's got an idea of who plays best with whom. But he does tend to every now and again he'll he'll start sending out strange bedfellows and that's he'll send, that I believe is pure message sending. It's possible. Um. So earlier, a couple of days back. Okay. Um. Mario Tirabasi tweets. About Patrick Kane getting whacked uh, along the boards, and Matt and uh, Max Domi immediately jumping Dakota Wash uh, Dakota Joshua, and talks about it being a waste and blah 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 blah. In real time, seeing your best player go down, what do you think of it? In real, if I'm on the ice and somebody runs Patrick Kane, I'm probably going to be in there doing my best to <clears throat> discourage the behavior. Yes, thank you. That's a good way of putting it. I was trying to. I didn't want to use the phrase that came to my mind, which was exact my pound of flesh. But um. <laughs> and for. Or Max Domi, who's a bit assertive as a player. He's not his father. No. Um, Ty certainly was um, more Even more, more than assertive. Yes. But when you look at, if you've looked at these stats for the players coming, uh, the opposing players coming into the game, and admittedly this is after that game, um... Dakota Joshua has a good number of PIMs per game. He's right, and he's actually now above uh, more PIMs than games played this season. So you might get the impression that he takes the occasional liberty knowing this. Not that Max Domi is a saint. No one is ever going to say that. But But does he have a reputation like, you know, Brad? I I don't think either one of them has a reputation, although... 
I think Max Domi is low key kind of funny. Um, okay. And watching the hit in real time, Kane going down and staying down, admittedly part of that because Joshua was leaning on him. Yeah, I'm coming in a little bit miffed too. And it probably wouldn't be just because it was Patrick Kane. It would be because you smashed a guy into the end boards in a game in a largely meaningless game between two teams who aren't seeing the playoffs unless they're buying tickets. I mean, you look at the standings for these two teams and you you find me a way for them to make the playoffs. And if it actually happens, uh, I'll buy you I'll buy you two jerseys of your choice. Because Chicago is dead last in the league, which is exactly where they Oh, actually I think they're second from the bottom in the league right now. Okay. Um and Vancouver is not much above them. Yeah, Chicago's got thirty seven points through fifty one games. Columbus has thirty six points through fifty three games. Uh, the hit isn't necessarily a bad hit. If I were sitting on the bench, I'd probably let it go. But at real time coming in from behind where you cannot even see Patrick Kane's expression or upper body language through, uh, Joshua's body. Yeah, I'm coming in, and my gloves are probably going to be gone before I get to you. Uh, I just, I, 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 I think I get where Max Domi was coming from. I, I, oh, I, I completely get it. Uh, I think that Mario Tirabasi is and, and probably watching the wrong sport for him. Seventeen, seven, but if he got seventeen minutes of yeah, penalties, skater and a game, or a misconduct. I mean, wow. But I, I still, I we're talking Patrick Kane here. If they ran any of my teammates, I'd want to stand in. I want to step up. That's, but the fact that it's Patrick Kane, yeah, there's a little bit more urgency to step up than. I mean, if it had been Tyler Johnson or Jonathan Taze, I suspect the same thing would have happened. Yes. Um. We didn't talk really about the um, Tarasenko trade yet. We mentioned we mentioned it briefly, but I think it's an interesting trade uh, because it brings Sammy by Sammy Blaze back to the Blues. Um, yeah, Sammy Blaze was part of the deal. At 26 years old. He's a UFA at the end of the season. Just to collect assets? Or is it about getting a player back into your system that you actually like? Because Hunter Skinner, I, I would consider him a throw-in on this trade. Uh, he's done. He's not played an NHL game. Uh, he spent more time in the E than the A this year. Um, I think that's contracts being leveled, total contracts. 
Um, so the trade for those who haven't looked it up, uh, Vladimir Tarasenko and Nico <clears throat> Mikola, and that's the one in born in 96. Cause if you go someplace like, uh, <clears throat> elite prospects, there are like seven Nico Nicholas, <laughs> Nico Mikola's all spelled the same way. Oh, of course. From Finland. Um, going to New York with, uh, with the, with Tarasenko's only 50% of Tarasenko's contract following him. <clears throat> Sammy Blay and Hunter Skinner going to the Blues. And then conditional first and fourth <clears throat> going to St. Louis. Uh, conditions on the first will be the latter of the 2023 first uh, from the Rangers and the Dallas 2023 first. Um, conditions on the fourth, the Rangers make the playoffs in 2023. The fourth becomes a third. I, I, I think that's pretty much a given that it's going to be a third. Um, yeah, I, I, I love when they put conditions in like that, that are, um, it would take a complete and utter collapse for them to not <laughs> like mathematically, they legitimately at, they're at 70 points in 53 games. Well, I mean, they probably need another 22 points, 24 points to get to hit that 91 to 93 range. That's normally that normally takes to get into the playoffs. I was going to say normally because wasn't it last year that all eight teams hit 100 points? Yeah, uh, it was. (laughs) That was a very unusual year and it's not happening this year. Oh, probably not. Um. They would legitimately have to like ship. Alien abduction would need would be involved at this point. Like Panarin, Tarasenko, Zabinajad, Fox, Kreider, Cheadle, uh, and then Sturkin and Halak would all have to disappear at once um, in order for this team not to make the playoffs at this point. Oh, and probably Ryan Lindgren, who Don Sweeney traded to them for one of the worst trades in league history. Yeah. Uh, that try said, not to try not to focus on that. Because <laughs> yeah, I know. I'll start swearing again. Yeah. So what do you think of this trade? Um, I think that the New York Rangers – Wanted to get Patrick Kane, got scared off by his, uh, quote unquote, his hip injury, um, plus the fact that he hasn't made his mind up whether he wants to be traded. So they went after the next best thing, and he's going to help them. He's going to put the puck in the net. This is definitely a this is definitely a good pickup for the Rangers, I believe, especially since they're not. I mean, they're sending back Sammy Blay, who, okay, young. But I don't think it's – in this particular case, I don't think it's an overpayment. The 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 first-round pick is okay. It, it, a first-round pick is pretty much an accepted item at the trade deadline at this point in time. I mean, just about anything you get. Unless it's real depth and you can get away with trading a, a second or a third, but usually somebody with Tarasenko's value is going to draw at least one first round pick. It's not going to be a high pick because the Rangers are going to make 
the playoffs. Oh, that, I mean that that stuff is all. I think it's a, I think it's a win. I think it's a good. I think this was a good deal for the Rangers, and getting Sammy Blay back, a, a young player. I mean, he's obviously he's not. He's Sammy Blay is what mid twenties? You said twenty six. Yep. So and he, he was part of their cup win. He was an important player. Uh, I'm I'm not saying that he was in line for the. Um, I mean, he was in, in line for the MVP or, or anything like that. But you noticed him every time he was on the ice. I mean, wasn't having the greatest of seasons with the Rangers. No, I, and that I think a lot and of that goes back to chemistry. To be honest, he hasn't scored a goal with the Rangers. And he I think went going back, back to, to I think going back to St. Louis for him is actually a good thing. <laughs> well, he scored in his first game back. See. Apparently, uh, the, apparently that's a thing for the Blues. There are well, certain what, players. Who well, can only- what is it? What is it with Perron who can't play good unless he's playing with St. Louis? Uh, David, I, is it David Perron that I'm thinking? It of? is Perron, yeah. Anytime he leaves the Blues, he's awful. He goes back to St. Louis, and suddenly he's a 30 goal scorer. It's like, what the heck? <laughs> it is, that is one of the weirdest things in hockey. So uh, no, it's definitely. not even like he's doing it with one particular person as his center. It's just yeah. Peron plays better with a blue note on his chest. Yep. <laughs> I don't. I don't understand it. I'm not going to claim I understand it. I think it's a decent deal. I. I, I, I think. I honestly I'm, think this is a good deal for both teams. Yeah. Um, I think that the Blues get what they're looking for, which is more draft picks, more draft capital. Um, and if Blay wants to sign with them, great. If he doesn't sign with them, eh. I mean, I think it would be good for him if if he can be uh, productive again there. I mean um, – and David Perron is having a mediocre season for him in uh, in Detroit. It, it, it's an interesting concept, and I had to think about it for a second. But you scroll through, you scroll through, and I'm thinking about the and rather than saying this team won or that team, neither team lost. Yes. Is is a better way of looking at it. Neither team lost. Like you said, Rangers got what they want. They got somebody else to put the puck in the net. Uh, he's going to play. I'm going to guess second line. Yeah. I mean, could you slot him in? Not could you slot him in besides Zibanejad? Sure. Let's. I think that's everything we need to say about that trade. Um, we talked a little bit about what I think the Bruins need at the deadline, uh, which is very slightly different from the athletics article on their power rankings and what each team needs. <laughs> We're not going to go through all the teams. Um, uh, they, well, some of the teams you don't really have to go through either, like the team at number one. Um, the team at number one, the athletic has nothing 
and I think that's I, I think that's an overstatement. You should always, if you have a team you believe in, you should always add depth if you can. That's his biggest team need. Come on. Uh, I I think that you could get uh, Bugstad on the cheap and have a solid additional center. Um, so if Nosik is out, you can play him on that fourth line um, and become and be upgrading your offense at, at at the fourth line position. But they're playing a lot. Of, they're playing a lot of Lauka lately. Have you? I mean. He looks like he fits in. He's he's not struggling to keep up I, with what's going on on the ice. I don't think so. Have you seen any major gaps since he's been on the ice? No, not yet. But when everyone when people are playing largely really well, it covers a lot of stuff. This is true. And I'm not saying that there's something there that needs to be covered. I mean, they, I'm saying. When, when everyone else is playing well, they're playing predictably enough that you don't get surprises. And the playoff is all about surprises uh, when you're in those first two or three games of feeling each other out. Um, which, which, uh, which other teams stuck out to you in this article? I'm, I've been trying to figure out where some of these teams are fit rank-wise. I mean, Vegas kind of puzzles me. They have Vegas at 12. They seem to be bouncing around. And I thought they were going to be better than this. Not sure what. My question is, and even even the athletic, even Dom and Sean, Dom LeCision, even they don't have any recommendations for what actually Vegas, except to say that, well, Patrick Kane could slot in. Uh, saying Patrick Kane could slot into a good team is a little <laughs> bit like saying uh, the NHL's officiating is occasionally questionable. You're not wrong, but it's something that you could say literally every single game of the NHL season or about literally any team in the NHL. I mean, the the whole thing with with Vegas and the biggest team need is a new back from Mark Stone. Maybe it's finding the replacement from Mark Stone. Can you? I mean, number one, can you move him? Not as not at the well. They're not, I'm not saying at the. I'm not saying at the deadline. Just in general, I think maybe if Mark Stone's having. If Mark Stone's injuries are that significant that this is what you got to replace, then maybe it's time to start looking. But as far as what they need right now, I and then the Kings being ranked as high as 13th when their biggest team need is a goaltender. I think that one's a surprise for me, too. And, and not, well, I don't do know if need, that's a. They do need I don't know a goaltender. If that's a short-term need or a long-term need for the Kings. Both. Let's face it. Quick. I mean, they they put Cal Peterson uh, in the minors. I I I'm I'm a little 
disappointed in, in I expected more out of Cal. I thought that there was more there. And I'm hoping that he can get his head right and get back to it's like every time they they said, Okay, he's gonna be the number one now, that's when he's faltered. As the backup, he's been phenomenal. But every time they've turned around, given him the start and, and said he you know, he's they want him to be the number one, he's gonna be the goaltender. Suddenly he struggled and they had to bring Quick back and, and take over the starting duties. I mean Jonathan Quick and he's thirty seven years old. Yeah, Johnny. He's had back issues forever. Um, he's done everything he needs to in his career, and he's got an 881 save percentage this year. And Phoenix Copley has Phoenix Copley 901, which is just as bad. Struck midnight. Yes. Is there is there a surprise? I, I know you're going to point it out, but I'm sure there's a surprise in here that I'm missing, like Calgary being 20th or. or well, I mean, it's it's their for the power rankings. I think that most of these teams are slotting in in the right place. Um, Detroit I think ahead of St. Timo Louis. Meyer as New Jersey's biggest need is a little hilarious because I they're slotting Timo Meyer in everywhere. It's like they they have their they have their three favorite flavors right now, and their three favorite flavors are Jacob Chikrin, Timo Meyer, Patrick King. And let's see where we can slot these guys in. I mean, <clears throat> I think that the Jets is perhaps most interesting. They have a top four defenseman and a top nine winger mm-hmm. as the as the as the needs. Uh, they have what we've been saying about the Edmonton Oilers for a decade as a real number one defenseman as their biggest need. I think that it's really hard to say that you don't have a number one defenseman when I'm not convinced. If you take Darnell Nurse as your number one and he is their best defenseman, I'm not convinced when you look at the rest of that roster that you have a number two defenseman. Okay. I'm not even sure that you have a number three defenseman. Does Tyson Berry? Mm, nope. Cody Cece, mm, definitely nope. Um, Brett Kulak as your number two, as a number, a league-wide number two? No. No. Evan Bouchard? Maybe someday? Not right now. <laughs> Philip Broberg? Bro, come on. Uh, Vincent Dan, uh, Desjardins? Desjardins? He's still around. Uh, not the one that you're thinking of. This guy is 26 oh, okay. years old. Oh, okay. Uh, <clears throat> I, I think that if you're hoping that a tw- now 26-year-old who's played a whopping 11 games in the NHL is going to turn into a number two, number one defenseman. Mm, nope. <clears throat> 183rd, drafted 183rd in 2016. Yeah, no. Um, so picking on Darnell Nurse, um, one, low-hanging fruit. Two, you clearly can't tell the difference between, I don't know, a kumquat and a hickory. And a hickory nut, you know, come on. See, do better. Do better, yeah. Like, that defense isn't 
period. You've got Cody CC or Tyson Berry as no. a pair of right side number fours. Stop. <laughs> as your second and third best defenseman. I mean, Stop. Brett Kulak may surpass them. Probably yeah. will. Probably. But even he's 29 years old. It's not like he's. It's not like he's a 24 year old on the rise, just getting into the league. And yeah, I, sure, Ryan Murray. We've been waiting for him to get healthy and be useful for over 10 years. He's 29 years old. Oscar Kleffbaum, 29 years old. He's out injured too. I, it's it's not a number one defenseman. It's the other five. It's the it's the next three numbers that you need. You need the number two. You need the number three. So nope, I'm not buying this article. Um, Colorado, blah 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 blah. You're not buying this article. I mean, it's an entertaining read, and then it's I, a conversation I, starter, is what I'll call it. Okay. Um, I mean, Colorado, some- they're right here because yes, they need to be healthier, um, and they do need a second line center. Okay. Uh, Seattle Kraken, um, probably not achievable. Um, I'm not sure what they would define as elite, but they're asking for one elite player for that team. Yeah, they have one. His name is Matty Bedius. He's her, he's her right now. I mean, if all Pittsburgh needs is their biggest need is a third-line center, maybe they should go grab Nick Bukestad to slot in behind Crosby and Malkin. Um, Florida Panthers, a true top four defenseman, not like last year. Mm, Okay. Minnesota Wild, um, they need like six million in cap space. Um, Because in order to go get a middleman for Caprizov and Zuccarello, um, a position that I really think has been named already, but I'd have to go look up what it is. Okay. I think they're spot on for Buffalo. Buffalo has got a level, got several A level players, and then there's the rest of the roster. They need some B's and C's to fill out that roster. Um. I'm 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 just yeah. There are so many. There's just no. Um, Nashville Predators. Flyers a losing streak. Oh bravo! Losing. <laughs> Nashville Predators biggest team need for the 24th straight year and actually legit first line center. Yup. <laughs> St. Louis Blues finding a new home for Ryan O'Reilly. Very true. Um, so is that the solution for Minnesota? Send Ryan O'Reilly there. That would be an interesting, I I don't know quite how that I'd have to sit down and, and work out the fundamentals of that deal, but that would be interesting. You put Ryan, Ryan O'Reilly, who's a Patrice Bergeron, uh, that ilk, you know, uh, defensive forward between Kaprizov and who is it? Zuccarello. Yes. Who are two significantly offensively minded wingers. 
that would be and and O'Reilly just has to be the distributor. Hmm. I, I think that the uh It'd be an interesting line. Yeah. I um, I, I, I wouldn't I might, would not I would not take that line and, and throw it out with the bathwater. Absolutely not. My only question is is Ryan O'Reilly still fast enough to keep up with the other two guys? He doesn't have to be as fast as Kaprizov, but like Krejci, he needs to be able to get to the right position because Krejci has never in his life been fast, um, and he still managed to play with Kessel and with uh, <clears throat> with Tyler Sagan and even with Pasternak and Jake DeBrusque. But yeah. um, that's going to be part of the equation. And their pot shot at the Columbus Blue Jackets Someone to overpay for Vladislav uh, Gavrikov. Yes. 6'3", 213, Russian defenseman, 27 years old, sixth round pick in 2015. Um, arguably at 2.8. At 2.8 for this year. Mm-hmm. And him being a UFA at the end of the year. Still if they don't want him whatever just wait until july he's gone yeah if someone will pay you <clears throat> anything for him and you're trying to get rid of him it's probably worth it i mean if you get a fifth round pick or a fourth round pick back for it you've upgraded whether that upgrade is still is nhl quality or not is a different question um but the guy played 80 games last year and had 33 points in his first season out of the chaos that was the COVID error hockey. Um, And that's basically doubling his points or actually matching his points from his previous 120 or or so games. Okay. So it's not like he was terrible last year. looks like he's probably had uh, some challenges this year, but let's face it, Columbus is terrible. Yes. Last year they were okay, or a little below average. This year they're terrible. And blaming it on one dude, nah. I don't think you can blame it on. I don't think you can blame it all on on Gavrikov, on, on Gavrikov, Gavrikov, however you want to pronounce it. Uh, my concern is, uh, like, like you keep pointing out for Chikrin and, and other players. Playoff stats, you know, you're acquiring somebody for a playoff run. Playoff stats, he's played in 12 playoff games. He has three points, and he's a minus six. Yeah. Um, so, again, not stellar. I mean, he is a defense. I mean, he is a defenseman, so I'm not expecting him to suddenly have. You're not expecting 20 goals from him next year? Mm, no. No? No, 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 no. Okay. Um, um, I think that Anaheim is, is in the same boat. A team, their biggest need is a team that hasn't watched John Klingberg in two years to want John Klingberg, because John Klingberg has fallen off a cliff. <laughs> and oh, by the way, he's seven million dollars a year. No. Uh-uh. I, I think yes, we need. To, I think yes, the Bruins at number one. There is a a, a need. I think they're incorrect on that. They need speed. <clears throat> they need to add a speedy player 
who can contribute at their position and not disrupt the locker room. Ideally, that speedy player has won a cup. But beyond that, you have do you have a name? I'm trying I'm trying to put a name to this this figment. No, I, I, I off the top of my head, no. Um we should mention real quick that Bo Horvat uh did sign an eighty an eight year contract extension with the Isles. He did uh, actually so sign much. the extension. That's the rumors that were floating around. Oh, okay. Um let me double check because I don't remember Yes, uh, 8.5. No, good um, for him. I, I, that was one of the things was that whether he was going to – Because there were rumors that he was going to be flipped again. Although I will point out that um, – Oh, yeah, four years of no trade clause. Um, oh, yeah, no trade, period, for the first four <laughs> years. And then 16 teams, no trade for the final years. Um, I guess he doesn't want to move again for the next couple of years. Just a hunch. Uh, in, okay. So you, you asked for a no trade, you asked for a no trade clause, like complete no trade clause. Like yeah. not, not submitting teams, not so, you know. And let's remember that he was over a point per game for Vancouver this year, 54 points in 49 games, including 31 goals, tying his career high. And since he's gotten to the Islanders, he's only a point per game player with three more goals and an assist with a bunch of guys he's never met before. So is this a situation where the Islanders have started their rebuild? The Islanders won that trade. Yes, won the trade, but is this the is this the start of an Islanders rebuild? Are they they moved know. out they moved out Beauvillier, you bring this guy in, you give him an eight year deal, he's gonna be the centerpiece. I don't know. I think so. I'd like to believe so. But let's face it. Um their GM is eighty years old. When the season starts this fall, mm-hmm. you will be 81 years old. Lou Lamorello, and he's a guy who plays things close to the vest. He's not going to keep. He's not going to keep play. He's not going to keep running the team for 10 more years. He might decide to keep going as long as he's breathing. They're building around Barzal, Horvat, which is which are nice building blocks. Well, they're your top two. I mean, there's your there's your number one, number two centers. Um, you have those two guys. Um, but your next youngest forwards of significance. Hmm. Hmm. Hajou at thirty. Uh no, it might. <laughs> is it Simone? You said you you said your next youngest of significance. Yeah, is that's a who very is Simone Holmstrom, who's still on an edge an entry level at twenty one. I don't know of significance. Your your next youngest is might actually be Pajot. Is J G Pajot? 
He's still got three more years left on his deal at five million per. And so is he your third line center? I don't even know. Like So you're strong up the middle. Your top line, you've got Anders Lee, you've got Brock Nelson. And I think that their defense is in need to work on wingers. And defense and goaltending. Well, no, I think the goaltending is okay. I mean, they're only one point out of a playoff spot at the moment. Not that I think they should want to make it into the playoffs to play Boston in the first round or Carolina in the first round and get trucked yeah. because that's what's going to happen. I think Sorokin's dragging them, kicking and screaming. So, um, But they have Pollock, they have Pellick, they have Dobson. Um, they actually have a pretty solid defense. Yeah. Um, I question their forward depth more than their defensive. That's depth. what I'm saying. I don't know. Who, I don't know. Winger wise, you know, they've got a couple of guys. You know, you got Anders Lee. You got Josh Bailey. You got uh, Brock Nelson. Is Palmieri still the player that he was in New Jersey? Even if he is, how much longer can he keep it up? I know he's got two more years. He's 32 years old. Um, and this year his numbers are not, he's only played in 29 games this year, 29 games, 16 points. I mean, half a point per game would get you to 40 or so over a regular season. Last year, he only had 33 points. Um, previous year he totaled 21. Um, so yeah, I'm not, I'm not calling him a building block at this point. No. A better case for the soon-to-be 39-year-old Zach Parisi, who's at least got 14 goals in his 56 games and is two away from his 1,200th NHL game. The thing is, they traded away winger-wise. They traded away Aturati, so who was one of their stronger prospects. I. It, it, Islanders fans were saying that he was their strongest prospect. It's it, he, they may very well be right. I think that I think that Islanders need to work on. I think centers wise, they're they're fairly strong up and down the middle. I mean, yeah, I mean, if Peugeot, if Pajot's only thirty, uh, yeah, I think that. I think they need to work on wingers. The defense looks solid. They need to work on getting some goal scoring, some wing depth. Uh, and last but not least, Brett Harrison at it again. <laughs> Another five point game. Have we added this kid to the he's not moving list? <laughs> I don't think he's there yet. If he gets to the playoffs and keeps this up to be there like this is what his third five point night as far as I, I i know this is at least the third time that we've talked about him having uh, a serious multi-point night yeah i mean he's looking keep it going yeah he's he's looking pretty good uh, i know that he's signed and he's actually signed his entry level oh yeah he's um 
he might just... he might depending on what happens health wise with the Bruins, he might actually see a game or two at the end of the season. Do I think that's a great thing? I don't know. My question would be, what's what's it going to do to, you know, I don't know how, I know that the last time they burnt a year of the entry level was for McAvoy because they played him and it ends up burning the first year. Do we want to do that with, or is it because I, I don't know how the, I'd have to, that's another deep dive that I'd have to do. I'd have to look into how the contracting works with. Unless there's serious injuries that are only short term, which usually isn't the case. I'm, and you can slide him into the two C spot because Pavel Zaka is holding down the one C spot, or you can slide him into the three C spot because Coyle has been bumped up again and have him play the first two playoff games, I don't I don't see it being viable. I don't think it's a long-term investment, a good long-term investment, given how shallow the pool is for Boston Bruins at center. So Mr. Harrison has 58 points in... 58 points in 45 games combined between Oshawa and Windsor. Correct. Uh, leaving him about three points behind Matthew Portois, also a Bruins prospect, <clears throat> um, who's playing for Gulf. It's going to be a very so interesting season. So we've got some good, so we've got some potentially good youth out there. I, I think that the prospects are a little scary, if you ask me. After after uh, Bergeron and Krejci retire, um, going back to the Islanders, they have the number one scorer in the OHL right now, Matthew Amagio, um, six foot right wing, who they drafted last summer. Okay. Um, there's a decent amount of talent there. And of course, uh, Matyev Petrov, the left winger for, uh, North Bay and the Edmonton Oilers is in number two because they don't draft defensemen. (laughs) I thought that was Edmonton. Anyways, we are... At the end of the show, as always, folks, thank you for listening. Share the show. Uh, friends, family, coworkers, random people you run into on the subway, in a plane, uh, or at a coffee shop. Yeah. Keep an eye out for keep an eye out for the Beanpot Final, Northeastern against Harvard. It's the first time in a while that I can remember that neither BC or ever. BU was in the final. It's the first time ever these two are meeting in the Beanpot Final. Oh, there you go. First time ever. So it'll be entertaining. Um, and for on the women's side, it's. I who, I have met, that's why I have notes. <laughs> yes. And I accidentally deleted my notes. 
No, we got. You deleted the note. And yeah, I'm. I'm... I do not have the note. Sorry. Um, women's Bean Pot. It's Northeastern at Boston College in the Bean Pot final. Ah. Excellent. And that, boys and girls, hockey fans of all ages, is uh, where we leave you. Take care. <laughs>